0: This has been uh, certainly an interesting, uh, interesting season of time and, uh, in a lot of ways. And, and I just want to say, um, on behalf of the staff, thank you uh, to the people of Riverstone. Uh, you guys have been amazing. Uh, you know, they say that when you're squeezed, what's inside of you comes out. And there must be some really good stuff inside of you. Um, because you've been so supportive and so encouraging and, uh, and and even the way that you have disagreed with us when you have disagreed with us has been good and uh, so just thank you for that um, it's not like that across the board uh, i've talked to other other pastors and and uh, you know we, we talk a good bit and just kind of especially probably more during this time than ever, just because of the the nature of things, and and uh, some of the things I hear uh, that the other other pastors are having to deal with, uh, just makes me thankful that I'm here. <laughs> so, thank you for being awesome and and amazing people. Um, we're gonna follow up from from last week. We're just gonna go right into the next. Uh, passage of Scripture from Matthew 16, if you'll remember uh, from last week. Um, So we'll pick up at verse 21. Uh, From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside And began to rebuke him, which is never a good idea. Uh, Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan, which is also something you don't ever want to hear. Uh, (laughs) You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves And then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Hmm. Lord, we pray that uh, you would speak to us this morning. As always, we need to hear from you. And uh, there's no one here today uh, really who needs to hear from me or, or from any other person. But we all need to hear from you. And so I ask that you would speak you would speak through me or, or speak in spite of me, but, but please speak and allow your people to hear your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, so that last little phrase there says that Jesus will return with the angels, and, and at that point, uh, his people will be uh, rewarded according to what they have done. So what, what exactly is it that Jesus wants us to do? What are we supposed to do? What what does God expect of us? Because surely uh, being a Christian is more than just going to heaven when you die or or going to church while you're alive. Uh, We we have this tendency to describe, like, you know, if you ask me, uh, you know, what was growing up, what was your family like, I, I might say to you, and have probably said in the past, uh, well, you know, my family, we, we always went to church. We talk about going to church, right? Um, is that, is that what, it, what it's about? You know, it's been a challenge for a lot of people during this, this COVID time because they couldn't go to church. Maybe, maybe that's not... What we're supposed to be about? Maybe, maybe that's not the most important part of what God has called us to be, and who who He's called us to be, what He's called us to do. You know, when we start to think about what are we supposed to do, what is it that God expects of us? We, you know, we might think about things like, well, we're we're supposed to pray. Well, obviously, yes. Jesus said, "My Father's house is a house of prayer." Jesus modeled for us a life of prayer, and we certainly are called to be people of prayer. But then again, we have to ask, well, why? Why are we even called to be people of prayer? What's the point of our prayer life? Is it just so we can check that box and say, okay, prayed. Um, we're supposed to be people of worship. Oh, absolutely. We, and we love to gather together corporately and worship. And we'll get to do that forever. Uh, but is that all we're supposed to do right now? We're, we're supposed to believe. Mike talked about believing, and just you know, God wants us to believe. He wants us to have faith. He wants us to trust him. Here, here's a good question for us to consider. Uh, God loved the world so much that he gave his son to die for it. How much do we love it? Paul said, I would give up my place in eternity if in exchange my people could know him. Let that sink in for a minute. (laughs) God loved the world so much that he gave his son to die for it. How much do we love it? Uh, Being a Christian, being a follower of Jesus, requires some things of us. Uh, It requires uh, a difference in how we relate, first of all, to him, uh, how we relate to each other, and then also how we relate to the world. Uh, N.T. Wright, uh, I recommend uh, to you, especially during COVID, if you're just sitting around looking for YouTubes to look at, (laughs) N.T. Wright would be a great uh, YouTube person to watch. Uh, He says that we tend to think of the gospel in terms of creation, fall, redemption, right? That's just, that's kind of the way we think. We think, okay, God created the world, man messed it up, we fell from grace, Jesus died on the cross, now things are good again, we're redeemed. But he suggests that we should think of the gospel as creation, fall, promise, Jesus Redemption, you know the gospel message. The gospel or originally uh, was a word that was used to describe the message of Christians, and it was good news. And then later on, uh, we started using the term gospel for the four books uh, in the New Testament—Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John—the Gospels. Uh, but they are—they are the Gospels are a story of the life of jesus Uh, so let's let's kind of walk through if we're going to think of the gospels the gospel story uh, the message of god to the world if we're going to think about that uh, in the terms of creation fall promise jesus redemption let's let's just kind of walk through that for a minute and see what it looks like so so number one i think we kind of get the creation we get the creation story, I think, you know, to, to a great degree. We understand God created uh, the heavens and the earth. We read through Genesis. We understand creation and what, what's that, what that's about, sort of, sort of. We, we need to make sure, though, that we understand that creation of the world was not a hobby for God. It was not something that he did because he was bored. Uh, it was not even just his job. Something that you know he did because that's just what God does. Uh, creation, the, the creation of the world, was an act of love. Uh, God created the world out of love uh, for us. He created an object for His affection, and so we need to understand that when we think about creation, and then we need to—I think we kind of understand. Actually, we're painfully aware of the fall. We're painfully aware of the fall because we understand the nature of sin, because we, we live with it. Uh, li- we live with the nature of sin. And uh, so God created, uh, and we get that. And then man ruined creation, and we're, we're painfully aware of that. But we also need to understand when it comes to the fall that we didn't just disobey God, which is bad enough, but we obeyed the devil. So just, actually what we did was we changed gods. That's the reality of of the garden. Uh, God said, don't do this. The devil came along and said, do this. And Adam and Eve chose to go with the devil rather than with God. That's that's kind of a wake-up call. Uh, so understand that in the fall, it wasn't just, oh, whoops. It was rebellion. And in our hearts, apart from God, apart from a deep work of the Holy Spirit, most of us, I would say all of us, will live our lives in rebellion. So we got fall, uh, we've got the fall. We've got creation. Then we've got the fall. And then the third thing that N.T. Wright points to is the promise. And this, this is something we need to focus on and think about and, and recognize because it's not really a way that we often think. Um, God made a promise to Israel. Uh, it's really a promise that's available to all of us, but it is a promise that was carried uh, by the family uh, of Israel. N.T. Wright says that Israel is the family through which the world is rescued. Now, many of you, and I'm the same way. When you read the Bible, when you read in Matthew, Matthew 1, you start the genealogy and you just skip. I mean, just be honest. How many times have you skipped the genealogy section of Matthew 1? And we we just do that. But, But it's there for a reason. It's there for a reason. If you remember, on the road to Emmaus, after Jesus' resurrection, he's walking along, he comes up on two guys, and he, you know, they're sharing, hey, this has happened, are you the only person that doesn't know what's gone down during these days? And Jesus begins to share with them, and in his comments with them, he connects himself to Moses and the prophets. If you remember at Pentecost, when Peter stands up to preach, he connects Jesus to the prophet Joel and to King David. Stephen, when he is martyred in the book of Acts in chapter 7, he connects Jesus to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, and David. Why does he do that? Uh, They all do that. They make the connection back into the genealogy Because the story of God is a story of promise. After the creation, after the fall, before Jesus came, before the cross, God made a promise to Israel. And the promise that God made to Israel is, I will bless you, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you, and all of the people of the earth will be blessed through you. So the promise of God, the promise to Israel, is fulfilled in Jesus. So we've got creation, we have the fall, and we have a promise. And then that brings us to the story, the story of God, is a story of purpose. The story of God is a story of purpose. When we reduce the gospel to creation, fall, redemption, guess what we leave out? The life of Jesus. We've got the death of Jesus. We have the resurrection of Jesus, but we've left out the entire life of Jesus. The promise... Is about the faithfulness of God. But we leave out the obedience of Jesus when we leave out his life. And and even our creeds do it. Uh, if If you think about the creeds that we repeat, just think about it. We say, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. Fast forward. Suffered under Pontius Pilate, crucified, dead, and buried. So he's born, and then he's crucified. What about his life? Why did he come? Well, he came to die, but he also came to live. He came to live. He lived a life. The story of purpose is the story of the life of Jesus. And this is really important for us in this day, in this time. We need to understand our purpose. When Jesus says, come and follow me, guess what he's not talking about? Going to heaven. He's not saying, come follow me, I'm going to heaven. That's not what he's saying. When he says, come and follow me, he says, come and live the way I live. Come and live life the way I have lived it. If being a Christian just meant believing in Jesus so you go to heaven when you die, then what you you do on earth wouldn't matter. It just wouldn't have any meaning. You just have to make that... You just have to believe and make that one prayer and then you go to heaven. And, and it, my, my theology would be, I would think it would make a lot of sense if you just, you know, if all Christ, being a Christian is, is believing the right thing so that you can go to heaven, then the minute you believe it, why not just go? I would just say, okay, hey God, how about this? I, I believe and that's all there is. So won't you just take me now? And maybe, I don't know, some of you may have prayed that in the last three months. (laughs) The invitation of Jesus is follow me in the way you live. Everything we know about the life of Jesus matters. Everything we know about the life of Jesus matters. There's a reason why he came and lived. There's a reason why the Holy Spirit inspired four people to write it down. Because everything he did matters because he purposely modeled for us how to live according to his kingdom. He even told parables. He said, the kingdom of God is like this. The kingdom of God is like this. The kingdom of God is like this. The The promise of God is the faithfulness of God. The purpose of God is the obedience of Christ. And you and I are called to a life of obedience, to a life of sacrifice even. In in his humble obedience to the Father, he shows us what life is supposed to look like in the kingdom of God. Why does he do that? Because the Christian life has always been about a vertical reality that produces horizontal fruit a vertical reality with horizontal fruit. Our relationship with God in Christ produces fruit in our relationships with each other. Criticism, complaining, and resentment are not listed as fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control. For the Spirit. Bottom line, Jesus didn't save you just for you. You've you've heard it said, I've heard it said, I hope I've never said it. If I had been the only person, Jesus would have come and died just for me. Well, guess what? You're not the only person. So you don't even have to worry about that. But what you can know is this Jesus didn't save you just for you. That was never his intention. He didn't call you aside and say, hey, I got this secret thing going on. I'm going to die so you can go to heaven with me, but don't tell anybody else. Jesus didn't die for you just for you, he didn't call you to himself just for you. And he didn't die just so you could go to heaven. He came and he lived an obedient life on earth, a perfect life on earth, regardless of what CNN might think. Obedient all the way to death. Perfect all the way to death. And then he invited us to follow him. And following him means obedience, it means serving other people, and it means carrying crosses, because that's what he did. The message of Jesus from the Sermon on the Mount, you know, and I want, to, I want to preface this, I want to say that this is a historical fact. A historical fact. The message of Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount changed the world because prior to that sermon people didn't think the way he said we should think and his message about how to live not about where you go when you die but his message on how to live changed the world So finally, then, the fourth, the story of the cross and resurrection. Uh, So the story of purpose is the invitation to live, and the story of the cross is the payment that is necessary uh, for the invitation to be answered. Because God is calling us to live a certain way, and he's saying what you do matters, and I want you to live in this way. I want you to live in this, this way that blesses horizontally, that blesses the entire earth, in fact, horizontally. I want you to live in a way that bears fruit in relationships, and, and we can't. We're not capable of it. We're, we're not capable of living the perfect life that Jesus lived. He calls us to a life that we can't live. But then he says, hey, let me do it. Let me live in you. And so the cross is about the payment that is necessary for the invitation to be answered. Without the cross, you can try harder. But you will always fail. You will always fail. Because God's standard is perfection. And only Jesus is perfect. And so we need the cross the payment, so that we can accept the invitation with a clean slate. Sin's forgiven, and we need Pentecost, the power of the Holy Spirit, in us to live through us. In the cross and the resurrection, Jesus says, let me live my life in you. Let me live my life through you. And then he says, now, go make disciples. Go make disciples. And we say, well, how how do you do that? And he says, do it the way I did it. Better yet, let me just do it in you. Surrender to me and let me do it through you. And so the story of the cross and the story of the resurrection leads us into a life that is actually the story of a king and a kingdom. It's a kingdom that is now and not yet. And so right now we want to be concerned, I know a lot of people are concerned with the not yet part of the kingdom because they would just prefer to be taken away, like Calgon, take me away. But we're here, we're here right now with a purpose and we need to focus on the part of the kingdom that is now because God has set before us opportunities. To advance his kingdom and we want to live in such a way to make everyone around us hunger for the kingdom of God because it's not just for you if you have said I want to follow Jesus you have also said whether you know it or not my life is not my own my life is not my own my life my life belongs to Jesus, He saved you because He loves you, and He saved you because He loves you, and He saved you because He loves every person that He has placed in your zone. He didn't save you just for you. He saved you for them. These are unusual and difficult times. But if we can grasp during this time that the call of God has never been to go to church, but rather to be the church, this could be our finest hour. because of what I said last week. People are looking for answers. When I was in high school, I was taking a physics class. Um, It was a bit over my head, but I was surviving. And then our professor walked in one day and he said, "This this test you're having today is the hardest test I've ever given. To a high school class I immediately just sank into depression (laughs) and he said and then he said good luck and he sat down behind his desk and we started the test and I I remember looking at at the paper and, and just I'm thinking oh there is no way and about halfway through the class he stood up and he looked at the class and he said okay I know this test is really, really difficult, and so here's what we're going to do. I'm gonna leave the room. And while I'm gone, get together, collaborate, share answers, and maybe as a class, as a whole, you can get it done. And he left. The valedictorian of our class was in the class. We all turned to him. He stood up and walked to the front of the room, took his paper and said okay, number one is, number two is, number three is, number four is, he went down the paper and everybody in the class made a hundred. Because He didn't just take it for himself and hide in a corner and say, I got the answers, figure it out. He shared what he knew, and it saved the whole class. Share what you know. Share what you know. Every one of us will have opportunities this week Ask God to open your eyes. Ask God to show you the people that he has placed strategically in your path because he saved you for them. Now let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Hmm. Jesus, we thank you uh, for loving us. We thank you for loving us enough to die for us. We just want to recognize that it's not just us that you love. That you love and your heart breaks for men and women all over our city who don't know you yet. And I pray that our hearts would be for them. And that we would be willing to say yes to you when you put them in front of us. And that even we would be willing to say, hey, let's let's go find them. Let's go find them. So Lord, I pray, teach us more what it means to be the church. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to have a a short time of of ministry before we close. And uh, for those of you who are here and for those of you watching online, I just want to encourage you just to take a minute and just to get quiet before the Lord. And and we're going to begin to to worship a little bit. Um, Austin's going to just worship over you. And I'm I'm going to give you a couple of things just to pray uh, into. And uh, just some, some things to ask the Lord to do. Okay? So. Mm. Thank you, Lord mm. Mm. Thank you, Lord. First, just just take a minute or two just to thank him. Don't don't hear me saying today that him saving you is not important. It's just not all there is. It, it's just a part of his plan. But it's really it's a really big deal that you know him. And so thank him today that you know him. after you've had some time to just thank him, but I want you to just be intentional and just ask him. Just tell him, Lord, my life is not mine, it's yours. Would you show me this week where to go? What to say? Who to bless? Show me.